Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And if you'll turn back with me to Romans 1, 1 as well. We'll actually read that verse first. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And then Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. As Paul writes these letters to these churches, it's interesting how he introduces himself as a servant, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's many ways that Paul could have introduced himself. At this point, he had already planted churches. God used him in a great way. Thousands and thousands of people were saved under his ministry. And great men like Timothy and Titus were trained but he doesn't introduce himself that way. He says, Paul, the servant. Now, when we think about a slave, usually it's in negative terms. Usually we're thinking of someone that was coerced or forced or sold or someone that had a debt and had to sell himself into slavery. But in this case, we're talking about a bond servant, someone that chose to be in slavery, someone that chose uh, to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. This principle is explained. Go back with me to Exodus chapter 21 for just a minute. God explains the concept, introduced it to the Israelites back when he gave the law. Exodus 21 verse 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master. Now, this is what changes everything. Because slavery and forced slavery is one thing, but God is creating a difference here between a slave and a bond slave, a servant and a bond servant. And he says, if that servant by choice in the seventh year, when he's allowed to go free, if he says, I love my master, then, verse 6, his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And look what it says, he shall serve him forever. Amen. He said, if that servant by choice said, I want to be with this master forever, I love this master, that man would take him to the doorpost, take it all and bore a hole in his ear. And every time that servant would walk in the door, he'd remember a day that he made a choice. I want to be this man's servant. Now, that's the case that we see with Paul. This was servitude by choice. It was not forced subjugation. It wasn't something that was put upon him against his will, but something he said, I was a slave to sin and to this world and to my flesh and to the law, and now I want to be a slave to God. Now, here's what we need in Christianity. Folks, times are changing quickly. Religion, Christianity, everything's changing. Independent fundamental Baptist movement is changing. But the longer we live, the more we get caught up in a society 
that really has trapped us in a materialistic mindset and we're consumed with this life and the things of this life and the pleasures of this life. And we're almost, many are almost embarrassed to be called a Christian, especially a committed, dedicated Christian. This world is not concerned about their level of dedication. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter if it's in the sports world or if it's an Olympian, a football player, a basketball player, a hockey player, a gymnast. You look at their dedication. They're up early. They're working. They're sweating. They watch their diet. They do a million things to compete on the highest level. You, you hear about these people waking up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, going down to the office. Look at how early people in this world get down to their office, how late they leave, how dedicated they are, no matter what their profession is. But if someone is a born-again child of God and goes to church three times a week, he's a fanatic. You mean you actually go to church three times a week and you stay there for an hour and a half at a time? you got to be kidding me. When we went to Alaska and we watched these hunters go into the mountains, literally they're pulling up in these huge trucks and trailers and campers and they have the four-wheelers with the metal tracks and all this hunting gear. And you're thinking, how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars are they spending just on equipment? What I pay into missions a month, they're paying to maintain equipment that they can use once a year. And they call me a fanatic? Yeah. Yeah. My uh, sacrifice at least has a goal and a purpose, something tangible, results that are eternal. But that word to us makes most people nervous. And here's how Paul introduced himself. Paul the servant. Paul the bond slave. Now, really, here's what I want you to understand tonight. This was a choice he made. This He said, this isn't my duty, but a desire. It's a delight of my heart to call myself a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know everyone is serving someone? It may be IBM. It may be McDonald's. Think about that. While they laugh at us, they're serving Home Depot. I thank God that I can say I'm a bond servant by choice thank god one day i went to the door the door the lord jesus christ had my ear pierced through and said this is forever if this world can put 50 piercings in one ear and out their nose and through their lip and in their cheek i'm thankful i can put one uh, spiritually through my ear and say, I am his servant forever. But here's what a bond servant and the whole philosophy has to do with. It's the bottom line principle is authority. Because when you become a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, what are you really saying? I am making him my master, my authority in every area of life. Because when that man said, I don't want to be free, my freedom comes through choosing him to be my authority for the rest of my life. That's the freedom I want. The freedom to serve this master that I love. And yes, Paul says in Galatians 5.1, that we're free. Freedom not to glorify ourselves or pursue our fleshly desires, but freedom to serve the one that we love, the Lord Jesus Christ, and submit ourselves to his authority. Now, let me ask you this. As a bond slave, 
when that person had his ear drilled through and he became a bondservant, from that point until death, who made his decisions for him? The master decided everything. And he said, I'm good with that because I trust my master. Now, here's the only way you can make that decision if you trust the master. Amen. Have you ever become a servant in a workplace? I, I was for a few years. They told me when I had to show up. Matter of fact, they lied to me and they said, we're only going to work you five days a week. And the next, you know, it was six. And they started out by telling us it was eight hours a night and ended up nine and ten. And they promise you, oh, in six months, we're going to give you a great raise. And then six months later, they said, well, we pay you based on production and you're already making enough money. So we're not going to give you a raise. Aren't you glad the Lord is a lot more reliable than any company? Here's what a company will do, a business will do. It will use you. And we've had cases here, even in our church, people were six, eight, ten months away from retirement, and they let that person go. 25 years in a company, and they said, you're 55 now. We can hire someone that's 28, teach them to do what you are doing, pay them half as much, and not worry about you reaching or obtaining your full pension. So, Merry Christmas. We really didn't love you. As long as you can add dollars to our bottom line, you're good. But once we find a cheaper replacement, you're out of here. That's the world. You can expect that out of the world. But aren't you glad that God's not going to say to you when you're 55, I'm through with you. You're pretty much, you know, I'm going to replace you with someone that's 18. Aren't you glad you have a heavenly father that says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to comfort you. And I think he even does it to a greater degree in your old age. Now, here's really what keeps Christians from becoming a bond servant. They don't understand there's joy in it. Really, there's a fear. Almost as if God were going to take advantage of that person. Folks, I'm going to tell you, years ago, I threw myself down on an altar and I decided to serve God for the rest of my life. And God has never taken advantage of me one day, one time, one moment in my whole life. People have, companies have, businesses have. Now, I want to say three simple things tonight and we'll go into prayer. Number one, a bond slave accepts everything the master sends his way. A man that is chosen to be a bond slave is so submitted to his master, he says, no matter what happens, no matter what he says, no matter what he does, no matter what he sends my way, I'm fine with it. Now, this was Paul's philosophy with God, his relationship with his master. Look what it says in verse 12. We know when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, where is he at? He is a prisoner. Verse 12, he said, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ, they're manifest in all the palace. He's in bonds. He's in chains. He is a prisoner at this very moment, but he says it's all resulted, God had a purpose, it's all resulted in the 
furtherance of the gospel so I can accept that. Verse 14, many of the brethren in the, in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He said this has actually encouraged others to speak without fear. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife and some also of goodwill, but the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing that affliction to my bonds, but he's not even discouraged about that. He said, it doesn't matter what their motivation is. God is still using them in furthering the gospel. He said, the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. But what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. What's he saying? I know whatever God is sending my way, he has a purpose. He's a sovereign God in heaven. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation, my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, look at his desire. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. What is a bond servant or a bond slave thinking? My purpose is to honor and glorify and help my master. Not like a slave, because a slave will live angry and frustrated. He'll perform. He'll do his duty in order to keep from suffering a beating. But when someone is chosen, I love my master, I trust my master. Now his performance is motivated by the desire to please the master that he loves. And he'll accept anything that's sent his way. Monday, I had a pastor come from out of town. One that I hadn't seen in years. I greatly respect and admire. He's in his 60s. Been, he's been faithful for a long time. But his wife had cancer, went to treatment, and it, it seemed controlled there for a while. But now she's just finished radiation and it looks like she'll have to do further treatment. And while we were eating, she called and then she said, I can't believe I, I don't even remember why I'm calling you. And he was kind. And when he hung up, he said, right now after the therapy, she, she can't remember much. I said, how are you doing? Pretty sure he said, we're doing fine. God's in control. Here's what will help us in our attitude in life is becoming a bond servant. Because when we become a bond slave, we say the master knows what he's doing. Now, you're going to have one or two things happen to you in life. You can choose to become a bond servant or you can be a slave. Slavery is miserable. But the life of a bond servant is not unhappy. Let me show you the difference. Without turning there, because I don't want to get too distracted from the main message tonight, how many of you have read the book of Ecclesiastes? You know what Ecclesiastes is? It's the words of a frustrated man who's began to look at life with a very humanistic mindset and he can no longer see God in his circumstances. That book was written by Solomon. In his early years, he was close to God, serving God. Matter of fact, God came to him and said, you ask me the desire of your heart and I'll give it to you. He asked for wisdom. God gave it to him. And he became one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. But with time, chapter 3 says, through focusing on injustices, 
Solomon became cynical. And you know what you see in the rest of Ecclesiastes? A cynical spewing of a sarcastic man who's looking at injustices. Chapter 3 says, Where I sought to seek and see justice, I saw unrighteousness in the lack of justice. How many notice that happens in our day and age? When, when bad things happen to us, we usually get frustrated or sad. But when injustices happen, usually we become angry. And if you don't have the right mindset, the mindset of a bond servant that says, I have a master and whatever he sends my way is for my good, you'll start to grow cynical and speak as Solomon did when he said, you know what, there's nothing good about this life. A man lives, a man works, it's all in vain, he dies, goes to the grave. That's why you better watch out. There are people that read that book and don't understand who's writing it and from what mindset. And they try to pull doctrine out of that book. When those are the words of a cynical man who no longer sees God in his circumstances. And here's what's amazing. It wasn't that he had suffered injustices, but he as a leader had seen so many injustices that he began to focus on all the bad that was happening around him couldn't see God in it all. Better be careful. Because you have one of two directions that you'll go over time with age in your life. You'll become a cynic or you'll submit yourself as a bond servant and you'll say, God is sovereign and God knows what he is doing. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing beside I, the Lord, thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, listen, what did he say? If the master sent it and said it was okay, I'll accept it. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the attitude of a bondservant. My master sent it. I'm okay with it. He's in control. He will not allow anything to my life that I can't handle. If you don't have that mindset, here's why he could handle being stoned and being imprisoned. His mindset is seen in everything that he writes. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4. Repeatedly, dozens of times, he uses that word servant bond slave but as he sits there as a prisoner of rome let me ask you something did paul ever say he was a prisoner of rome never 
He said, no, I'm a bondservant. Christ is my master. So if Christ allowed me to be put in chains, I'm the servant of Christ, then I am the prisoner, not of Rome. I'm the prisoner of Christ. Ephesians 3.1, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of who? He said, Rome didn't put me in this prison. Christ, my master, said, you can handle that. I'm good with it. If my master's good with it, I'm good with it. If he didn't stop it, why fight it? So you have a choice. That choice is to say, put the hole through my ear. I am a bondservant. I'm a happy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. This is forever. This is until death. So whatever the master allows into my life, I'm happy with. Number two, go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. So whatever the master sends my way, it's good. It's acceptable. I can handle it. Philippians 4, verse 11, there's something else we see in a bond servant. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, there would to be, what's it say? You know what a bond servant says? I'm happy with whatever the master provides. Let me ask you this. Is a bond servant concerned about the provisions? He's just following orders. The master is the provider. The master determines the house. The master determines the income. The master buys the clothes. The master makes all of those decisions. And how nice he lives, how much money he has in his pocket, how new his shoes are, that's all determined by the master. So he likes his duds. He's satisfied with his threads because he says, these were provided by my master. You see that food? I'm good with it. If it's three meals or two meals, four meals with a snack or without a snack, dessert or no dessert, that's what my master gave me. I'm good with that. If it's an ox or a donkey, doesn't matter. That's what my master gave me to plow with. If it's a three-bedroom or a four-bedroom, a single bath or three and a half, I'm good with it because that's what my master chose. I'm okay with that. Paul said he had the mentality of a bondservant, so he said, I have learned to be content. And if you are not a bondservant, you know what happens? The longer you live, the more discontent you become, the more cynical you become, the more unsatisfied you become, the more you look around and compare and say, I can't believe that they have a car that nice and a house that new and furniture that fancy and because you're not a bond servant you haven't come to grips with the fact you have exactly what the master wants you to have i mean if he wants you in a different house he'll give you one if he wants you in a different car he'll provide you with a different car verse 12 i know both how to be abased and i know how to abound that is the philosophy of a bond servant how many can see that that is a man who chose to be a servant out of love for his master. And he said, I can be abased and I can abound everywhere in all things. I'm instructed both to be full, to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. 
And this while he was traveling, there were times when money was short, and he'd make tents, sleep under bridges, find himself down on the edge of the river, wondering where his next meal was coming from. Now that would make the average person angry, frustrated, or bitter, but not when they have the philosophy of bond servant. And they say, God, if it's in Mexico or Argentina or Austin, if it's beans and rice and tortillas, the salad bar or Chick-fil-A, I'm good with any of that because I know you are the provider. Now, here's what a bond servant says. He says, I am concerned about the source because my master is my provider. Better be careful because you need to make sure that God stays your provider. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Who's the writer of this book? Paul. A man with a mindset that said, I am a bond servant. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. How many of you can picture in your mind bond servants from the past that were styling and profiling? Were they concerned about their clothes as long as they had something to wear? It's enjoyable to talk to Adrian. But when you travel around the world, whether that's Romania or any country outside the United States and maybe a couple others, people are not concerned about the texture of their food. They're just concerned to have food. It's not like America where you drive down the road and you make a choice and no one can decide because there's 16 restaurants and then when you get there, the waiter has to come back 13 times because you can't figure out what dish you want to order and then when you do order it, you're not satisfied with the taste of the plate that you were given. Most countries, it's simply if I have food on my plate, that's a good life. That's the mentality of a bond servant. It doesn't matter what's on my plate as long as something's on my plate. And I know my master will put something on my plate. Number three, Philippians 4.13. A bond servant accepts everything the master commands him. Let me ask you this. Do you think that a servant would say, 5 o'clock? I'm not going out to participate in the harvest at 5 o'clock. I need my sleep. I'm an ugly man. I need some beauty rest. Six days? Work that late? In the dust? Behind the animals? You know what a servant does? Yes, sir. Today we're going to dig a ditch. Yes, sir. Today we're going to build a building. Yes, sir. Well, I don't know how to build a building. It's not the words of a servant. Words of a servant, yes, sir, I'll be there. You know why most Christians struggle so much with the Christian life? They don't have the philosophy of a bond servant. There's a command they don't like. There's a command they don't understand. Here was Paul's philosophy, and this is the philosophy of a bond servant. This is not about Paul. So I was stoned. So I was beaten three times. So I was shipwrecked. So my life has been in danger. So I've been thrown out of city after city after city. So people follow me around. Stirring up trouble, causing strife. This isn't about me. This is about him. 
Now let me ask you, is that your philosophy or is your Christian life about you? God, that's just too uncomfortable. I can't see that. I can't understand that. I, I, I just can't agree with that. Pastor, do you understand tithing? Yeah, it really doesn't matter. The just shall live by faith. There are many things in the Bible I don't understand. But it really doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that I'm a bondservant, and as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I chose him as my master for life. He shed his blood. He gave his life. He freed me from sin. So this is for life. Look what Paul says in Acts chapter 20. I forgot to read Philippians 4.13, so I'll read it for those of you that have already turned. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Some of you need to repeat that. I can do all things. Whatever my master tells me to do, he knows I am capable of doing through his strength. Here's what Paul said. The end of his ministry, he's telling those Christians from Ephesus, Goodbye. He's headed back to Jerusalem. He knows what is awaiting him. Verse 22, he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Now, how many of you would go do what you were told to do if you knew bonds and afflictions we're awaiting you. But he says in verse 24, None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Now here's the difference in what Paul was saying and what Solomon was saying back in Ecclesiastes. What was Solomon saying and kept repeating? I said to myself, I saw, I thought. It was all about him. He starts out in chapter 1 saying, I got everything I could get my hands on in life from men servants and maidservants and pools and horses and houses and gold and silver and trinkets and singers. He said, I gathered it all. At some point I gave up because my life was hollow. And Paul, a man who gave everything, says, I want to finish my course with joy. In the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace. Now here's really what we need when speaking of revival. In Christianity, you know what we need a revival of? Identity. We need people who will simply understand and introduce themselves. I'm not an Adam Thompson, the pastor of this church or the planner of that, or the beginner of this. Or Let me ask you this. Just answer this question in your own mind. When you speak to people, how do you introduce yourself? I'm a businessman. I'm a manager. I'm a father. I'm a homeowner. Or is your initial thought, I am Adam Thompson, the bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see this here? That means I'm in it for life. This is about one thing, one purpose, one person pleasing my master.